It is October. It is, and it's cooler. It's cooled down here. I think that we're done with the hot weather you for the do? year. Yes, it's always when the fair is in town. So we go, we get a little cool, we hike back up to 100, then we ship <laughs> down. And then that's it. Okay. Yeah. I always remember um, Halloween it being cool. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I, I think we're we're in the clear. Does anyone trick-or-treat anymore? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't get trick-or-treaters? Well, we don't answer the door anymore because there were so many coming. Like, people would come in cars. Yeah. Don't they hear, too? Oh, yeah. We get tons of people in cars. But it was to where we buy them bag, 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 bag. And forget, you know. Okay. No, you know what? Um, When the boys were younger, we would get a good amount of trick-or-treaters. We've never had a problem with the people that, like, drive up and then they'll come out in groups. That's all good. As long as people are nice and whatnot, we don't care. Now, obviously, pandemic year, we actually got an okay amount of trick-or-treaters. Oh, okay. There were some parents that were like, listen, we're, we're taking our kids out. Yeah. Last couple of years were, 2021 was okay. Last year, I thought was going to be a big year. We hardly had anybody. We really did. So we'll see what happens for you. And I think it, it doesn't help that we're, um, Halloween is falling on a weekday now. Oh. So we're, I think this year it's going to be on Tuesday. Okay. So we may not get a lot of trick-or-treaters. No, I love handing out candy. Okay, God bless. You know, I love seeing all the kids in their costumes. Yeah. They're so excited. And then you have the shy kids. Yeah. It's adorable. It really is, yeah. So, you know, anyway. You're doing good? Yes. Okay. How about you? Fine. Everything's well, yes. Good, good. Yes. Uh, anything you want to talk about before we get started? No. How okay. about you? I can't think of anything. No. No. Lord didn't put anything on my mind this session. Me either. Me. I did learn one thing. What's up? At, well, I learned it at church, but then I asked at work. Mm-hmm. Did you know people that are buried? Now, you can take this out if you want. Mm-hmm. But all people are buried to where their feet are at in the east. Really? Because when Christ comes again, it's supposed to be from the east. So they would rise up. That's the whole idea behind it about, and to this day, in cemeteries, everyone is buried with their to the, their feet to the east. Son of a gun. I had no idea. I didn't either. And we were talking about it at church. Um, actually, my daughter-in-law, Jordan, was bringing up about sh- that she would like to be buried. You know, yeah. we're just talking about that because what I do. And she said, I think it's like a symbol for me, like a symbol that I'm buried and I will ride. You know, it was just very, I never knew that. No, I had no idea, Amy. Now we I know. Just, I just thought people were not yeah, flocked just, in there. But just put that one whatever way. No. I thought it was almost like Tetris. All right, Mr. Johnson can fit this way. Yeah. That's no. wonderful. Yeah. I really, I didn't know that. Mm-mm. So there we go. There's another mess, another way the Lord is still, you know. Thank you for sharing yeah, that. Because that, that's really neat. Isn't it? Yeah. Gosh, I'm going to learn more about that. Okay. Uh, okay. All right. Yeah. Well, do you want to start us in prayer? Absolutely. Lord, I know you are with me and love me. Give me peace of mind as I prepare for this time of study. Help me to focus on my books and notes. Keep me from all distractions so that I will make the best use of this time that is available to me. Give me insight that I might understand what I am studying and help me to remember when it's when the time comes. Above all, I thank you for the ability to be able to study and for the many gifts and talents that you have given me. Help me always to use them in such a way that they honor you and do justice to myself. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Yes. All right. So we are going to be jumping into Micah. Um, I'm not going to, well, Micah chapters 2 through 7, and then we're going to go to Second Kings, and then some parallels, and also some Isaiah is going to be in here. It's all on the Facebook page. A recap of Isaiah chapters 18 through 27 and 29 through 35, which we talked about last session. 
Um, Isaiah shared the Lord's message to the Ethiopians and Egyptians. Isaiah saw a terrifying vision regarding Babylon. And there was going to be restoration for Israel. Now, Amy, the paragraph before our verses yes. in Micah, it said, This section represents the rest of the prophecies of Micah. He emphasized the need for justice and peace. Like a lawyer, he set forth God's case against Israel and Judah, their leaders and their people. He makes several prophecies about Jesus, the Messiah, who will mercifully gather the people again into one nation. Micah makes it clear, clear that God hates unkindness, idolatry, injustice, and empty ritual. He still hates these today, but God is very willing to forgive the sins of any who repent. Yes. Anything on there you want to talk about? No, I thought that was well said. Micah chapter 2 verses 1 through 5, judgment against wealthy oppressors. Any notes in there? Um, I have one, Micah warned against those who use their position to take advantage of others. Less than a century earlier, King Ahab of Israel had pouted because he couldn't get Naboth's vineyard. So his wife Jezebel had Naboth killed in order to give the garden to Ahab. This kind of injustice had spread throughout the nation and like a disease was destroying the people from the inside out. Mm. Um, the other note I had, Micah spoke out against those who planned evil deeds at night and rose at dawn to do them. Thoughts and plans reflect a person's character. What do you think about as you lie down to sleep? Do your desires involve greed or stepping on others to achieve your goals? Evil thoughts lead to evil deeds. Okay, moving on to Micah chapter 2, verses 6 through 11. They talk about true and false prophets. And if, Amy, could you please read uh, verse 11? Suppose a prophet full of lies would say to you, I'll preach to you the joys of wine and alcohol. That's just the kind of prophet you would like. Yeah, and that's probably what people would like. Yeah, this is all you want to hear. Yeah. Just like some people with churches, they only want to hear the good news. Mm -hmm. And that's not good. That's false. That's what, you know. Yeah. We need to know if we fall, there's judgment, you know. I may have asked you this before, and I don't remember the answer, so I'm sorry. But mm -hmm. do you think in church, I'm sure it's always been there, kind of maybe, maybe telling people what they want to hear more. But do you think it's gotten worse over the decades? Or more prevalent over the decades? I do. I think that if you go to a prophetic church or, a, you know, a church that just preaches good news, that's shameful to me. Mm -hmm. Because they're not being honest. They're, you know, that's not what it's about. And yes, he's forgiving, but um, you have to know what you have to do. Yeah. But yeah. I do think it's gotten worse. And I think that things are allowed in churches that shouldn't be yeah and like that note we just read where it said um the kind of injustice had spread throughout the nation like a disease was destroying people from the inside out you could almost say that today yeah oh yeah that evil is destroying people it's like a free-for-all mm -hmm. you probably feel the same way yes you know um yeah I, I remember going to church my even when I graduated and everything, but it is different now. Oh, it is okay. But then on the flip side, because I think there's there is always hope. I mean, mm -hmm. we see that again and again in the Bible. Yeah. Then on you know on the other hand, I think there there almost has been almost a, a resurgence. Yeah. Of people wanting to, who are curious about God. Mm -hmm. And want to learn more about God. Yeah. Which is wonderful. Yes. It is. I, I think maybe they're, they are seeing what's going on in the world right now. Confusion. Disappointment. It like It's just not making sense. No. So they're, they're starting to look at other things. And I think God yes. is, is starting to get on the rise again. As yeah. far as, you know, people being curious. Yeah. Absolutely, I agree with you. You think or am I totally off No, base? I agree. Okay. Um, do you have any notes for that section? 
I have um, on 211 it said the people liked the false prophets who told them only what they wanted to hear. Micah spoke against prophets who encouraged the people to feel comfortable in their sin. Preachers are popular when they don't ask much of us and when they tell us our greed or lust might even be good for us. But a true teacher of God speaks the truth regardless of what the listeners want to hear. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I listened to a sermon the other day and the gentleman was saying, the Bible, we have the Bible and the words in it are God's words. Mm-hmm. He spoke them, you know, and then they were written. Never in century, nor will should it ever be, we changed God's word to fit today's lifestyles Mm -hmm. you can't do that Mm -hmm. there's you know and i think those kind of churches are trying to do that yeah it's heartbreaking you know if you're if you're looking for a new church it seems like the best way to approach it would be to do some homework Mm -hmm. first find out about that church what what exactly are they teaching absolutely get their statement of faith and see if that's what you agree with and if you have a mentor or an elder or somebody you can say hey what about this you can even ask around in mm-hmm. the, your town you know but go to a service yeah see what they're all about you may be like yes this is the church for me this yeah. is gonna this is where god needs me to be yeah I know um, my daughter was telling us that last year Super Bowl was on Sunday, but isn't it always on a Sunday? Yeah, it's always Super Bowl Sunday. The, there's a church in our town that didn't have church because it was Super Bowl Sunday. Oh. Now, I would be questioning myself if I was going there. Mm. And that same church didn't celebrate Christmas service. What? Because it, Christmas was on Christmas Day last year. and. That was so beautiful mm-hmm. to be at church on Christmas Day. Yeah. Like, that's only every seven years, I think. What more could you ask? I, I don't understand that. I don't understand the church conforming to modern events. Uh-uh. That it shouldn't, it shouldn't. It shouldn't work that way. No. And absolutely. That's just kind of what we just said. Mm. It sure looks pretty on the outside. Yeah. And yeah. new and this and that, but anyway. Yeah. Um, uh, one other note. If these messages seem harsh, remember that God did not want to take revenge on Israel. He wanted to get them back on the right path. The people had rejected what was true and right, and they needed stern discipline. Children may think discipline is harsh, but it helps keep them going in the right direction. If we only want God's comforting messages, we may miss what he has for us. Listen whenever God speaks, even when the message is hard to take. Anything else for there? That's all I had. Micah chapter 2 verses 12 and 13, hope for restoration. And I'm just going to read 12 and 13. Okay. Someday, O Israel, I will gather you. I will gather the remnant who are left. I will bring you together again like sheep in a pen, like a flock in its pasture. Yes, your land will again be filled with noisy crowds. Your leader will break out and lead you out of exile. Out through the gates of the enemy cities back to your own land. Your king will lead you. The Lord himself will guide you. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Anything for there? I I have, it's not the whole thing, but I started right here. It says, um, the prophets could not see see the long period of time between the Babylon captivity and the coming of the Messiah, but they could clearly see that the Messiah was coming. The purpose of this prophecy was not was not to predict exactly how and when this would occur, but that it would happen. This gave the people hope and helped them turn from sin. You know what was neat is because you and I are reading the Bible. We're reading. We're ahead yes. right now, and so we're reading about this. Absolutely. So yes, it's fun. We are. It's fun going back and seeing where it was mentioned. Yes. Anything else? No. Micah chapter three verses one through twelve: judgment against Israel's leaders. And would you please read verses ten through twelve? says you are building jerusalem on a foundation of murder and corruption 
Your rulers make decisions based on bribes. Your priests teach God's laws only for a price. You prophets won't prophesy, prophesy unless you are paid. Yet all of you claim to depend on the Lord. No harm can t come to us, you say, for the Lord is here among us. Because of you, Mount Zion will be plowed like an open field. Jerusalem will be reduced to ruins. A thicket will grow on the heights where the temple now stands. Thank you. Yes. Uh, one note I had for there, Micah attributed the power of his ministry to the spirit of the Lord. Our power comes from the same source. Jesus told his followers they would receive power to witness about him when the Holy Spirit came on them. You can't witness effectively relying on your own strength because fear will keep you from speaking out for God. Only by relying on the power of the Holy Spirit can you live and witness for him. Mm. That's powerful. Yes, it is. Absolutely. That's right. The Holy Spirit helps us with that for sure. I had a note also. Go for it. Uh, Micah, Micah warned the rulers, priests, and prophets of his day to avoid bribes. Pastors today accept bribes when they allow those who are being con are big contributors to control the church. If fear of losing money or members influences pastors to remain silent when they should speak up for what is right, their churches are in danger. We should remember that Judah was finally destroyed because of the behavior of its religious leaders. A similar warning must be directed at those who have money. Never use your resources to influence or manipulate God's ministers because that is bribery. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Micah chapter 4 verses 1 through 5, the Lord's future reign. And we'll just read 1 through 5. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of all, the most important place on earth. It will be raised above the other hills, and people from all over the world will stream there to worship. People from many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob's God. There he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the Lord's teaching will go out from Zion. His word will go out from Jerusalem. The Lord will mediate between peoples and will settle disputes between strong nations far away. They will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will no longer fight against nation nor train for war anymore. Everyone will live in peace and prosperity, enjoying their own grapevines and fig trees, for there will be nothing to fear. The Lord of Heaven's armies has made this promise. Though the nations around us follow their idols, we will follow the Lord our God forever and ever. Beautiful. Yeah, really nice. Anything for there? I did. Um, it says the phrase in the last days describes the days when God will reign over his perfect kingdom. The mountain of the Lord's house is Mount Zion. There will be an era of peace and blessing, a time when nations will not war against each other. We cannot pinpoint its date, but God has promised that it will arrive. Micah 4, 9-13 predicted the Babylonian captivity of 586 BC, even before Babylon became a powerful empire. Just as God promises a time of peace and prosperity, he also promises judgment and punishment for all who refuse to follow him. Both results are certain. Oh. I'm sure I read that very good, but that's okay. No, that was great. Any notes for chapter 4, verses 1 through 5? Uh, no, not after the one I read. So we're moving on to Micah chapter 4, verses 6 through 13. Israel's return from exile. Mm -hmm. Anything in there? Any notes you want to talk about? Um, on 4.12 it says, When God reveals the future, His purpose goes beyond satisfying our curiosity. He wants us to change our present behavior because of what we know about the future. Forever begins now, and a glimpse of God's plan for His followers should motivate us to serve Him, no matter what the rest of the world may do. The one note I had, Micah predicted the end of the kings. This was a drastic statement to the people of Judah who thought that their kingdom would last forever. Micah also said that Babylon would destroy the land of Judah and carry away its king, but that after a while, God would help his people return 
to their land. This all happened just as Micah prophesied, and these events are recorded in Second uh, Chronicles and Ezra. Anything mm-hmm. else for there? That's it. Micah chapter 5, verses 1 through 6, a ruler from Bethlehem. And would you please read verses 2 through 5? But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel will come from you, one whose origins are from the distant past. The people of Israel will be abandoned to their enemies until the woman in labor gives birth. Then at, then at last his fellow countrymen will return from exile to their own land, and he will stand to lead his flock with the Lord's strength, in the majesty of the name of the Lord is good. Then his people will live there undisturbed, for he will be highly honored around the world, and he will be the source of peace. When the Assyrians invade our land and break through our defenses, we will appoint seven rulers to watch over us eight princes to lead us. They will rule rule Assyria with drawn swords and enter the gates of the land of Nimrod. He will rescue us from the Assyrians when they pour over the borders to invade our land. Wonderful. Thank you. Yes. Um, One of the notes, Jerusalem's leaders were obsessed with wealth and position, but Micah prophesied that mighty Jerusalem with all its wealth and power would be besieged and destroyed. Its king could not save it. In contrast, Bethlehem, a tiny town, would be the birthplace of the only ruler who could save his people. This deliverer, the Messiah, would be born as a baby in Bethlehem and eventually would reign as the eternal king. Beautiful. Um, Do you have anything for there? I do. I have for Micah 5.5. This chapter provides one of the clearest Old Testament prophecies of Christ's coming. The key descriptive phrase is, He will be the source of peace. In one of Christ's final talks, He said, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Because of Christ's first coming, we have the opportunity to experience peace with God with no more fear of judgment and no more conflict and guilt. Christ's peace gives us assurance even though even though wars continue. At Christ's second coming, all wars and weapons will be destroyed. Thank you very mm-hmm. much. Micah chapter 5 verses 7 through 15, the remnant purified. And verses 7 through 9 say, Then the remnant left in Israel will take their place among the nations. They will be like dew sent by the Lord or like rain falling on the grass, which no one can hold back and no one can restrain. The remnant left in Israel will take their place among the nations. They will be like a lion among the animals of the forest, like a strong young lion among flocks of sheep and goats, pouncing and tearing as they go with no rescuer in sight. The people of Israel will stand up to their foes and all their enemies will be wiped out. Anything for there? I have one. It says, when God rules in his eternal kingdom, our strength and deliverance will not be found in military might, but in God's almighty power. God will destroy all the weapons that people use for security. Armies will not be needed because God will rule in the heart of every person. Instead of being overwhelmed by fear of invasion of nuclear attack, we should have confidence in God. Amen. Yes. Instead of worrying about all the worldly, know who's in charge. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Take that fear away. Yeah. God's in charge. Yes. Anything else? No. Micah chapter 6 verses 1 through 8 the Lord's case against Israel and would you please read verses 3 and 4 sure oh my people what have I done to you what have I done to make you tired of me answer me for I brought you out of Egypt and redeemed you from slavery I sent Moses Aaron and Miriam to help you verses like that are amazing oh aren't they they just say it and there you go yeah like this is jesus this is god talking through micah yes it sure is 
One in the notes, here Micah pictures a courtroom. God the judge tells his people what he requires of them and recites all the ways they have wronged both him and others. Micah chapter four, chapters 4 through 5 is full of hope. Micah chapters 6 through 7 proclaims judgment and appeals to the people to repent. I had a note. It yeah. was, um, the people would never be able to answer this question because God had done nothing wrong. In fact, God had been exceedingly patient with them, had always lovingly guided them, and had given them every opportunity to return to him. If God asked you, what have I done to you, how would you reply? Um, one other note, God continued to be kind to his forgetful people people but their short memory and lack of thankfulness condemn them when people refuse to see how fortunate they are and begin to take god's gifts for granted they become self-centered regularly remember god's goodness and thank him remembering god's past protection will help you see his present provision now verse 8 says no O people the lord has told you what is good and this is what he requires of you to do what is right to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Yeah, that's simple, huh? Yes, it I, it just lays it out and it's so beautiful. It says people have tried all kinds of ways to please God, but God has made his wishes clear. He wants his people to do what is right, love, mercy, and walk humbly with him. In your efforts to please God, examine these areas on a regular basis. Are you fair in your dealings with people? Do you show mercy to those who are wrong, who wrong you? Are you learning humility? Those are some questions to ask, aren't they? They really are. Uh, one other note, Israel responded to God's request by trying to appease him with sacrifices, hoping he would then leave them alone. But sacrifices and other religious rituals aren't enough. God wants changed lives. He wants his people to be fair, just, merciful, and humble. God wants us to be living sacrifices, not just doing religious deeds, but living rightly. It is impossible to follow God consistently without his transforming love in our hearts. Mm. <sighs> Lovely. Yes. Yes, so true. Micah chapter 6, verses 9 through 16, Israel's guilt and punishment in here, Micah conveyed from the Lord how the Israelites would be punished. Uh, for example, not harvesting crops, no juice for wine, and uh, never having enough food. Mm -hmm. Any notes for there? I have this chapter begins in gloom and ends in hope. Micah watched as society rotted around him. Rulers demanded gifts, judges accepted bribes, corruption was universal. But God promised to lead the people out of the darkness of sin and into his light. Then the people would praise him for his faithfulness. God alone is perfectly faithful. Micah chapter 7 verses 1 through 13. Misery turned to hope. Just any, any notes or anything in there you want to talk about? Uh, Micah could not find an honest person anywhere in the land. Even today, fair-mindedness is difficult to find. Society rationalizes sin, and even believers sometimes compromise Christian principles in order to do what they want. It is easy to convince ourselves that we deserve a few breaks, especially when everyone else is doing it. But the standards for honesty come from God, not society. We are to be honest because God is truth and we are to be like him. Um, one of the notes I had, Micah showed great faith in God both personally and on Israel's behalf as he proclaimed that one, he would wait upon God because God hears and saves when help is needed. Two, God would bring his people through when times were tough. Three, Israel must be patient in punishment because God would bring them out of the darkness. And four, their enemies would be punished. We too can have a relationship with God that allows us to have confidence like Micah's. It doesn't take unusual talent. It simply takes faith in God and a willingness to act on that faith. And like we've been saying, it like every session almost, it's hope. There's, yeah, there's it is hope. hope. Yes, for sure. Yep. Um, anything else for there? No, I don't have any. 
Micah chapter 7 verses 14 through 20, the Lord's compassion on Israel. And would you please read verses 18 through 20? Sure. Where is another God like you who pardons the guilt of the remnant, overlooking the sins of his special people? You will not stay angry with your people forever because you delight in showing unfailing love. Once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean. You will show your, us your faithfulness and unfailing love, as promised to our ancestors Abraham and Jacob long ago. Thank you. Mm-hmm. One of the notes, God delights to show his unfailing love. He does not forgive grudgingly, but he is glad when we repent. And he offers forgiveness to all who come back to him. Today you can confess your sins and receive his loving forgiveness. Don't be too proud to accept God's free offer. How about you, anything? Um, yes, in an age when religion was making little difference in people's lives, Micah said that God expected his people to do what is right, love, mercy, and walk humbly with him. He requires the same of Christians today. In a world that is unjust, we must act justly and do what is right. In a world of tough breaks, we must be merciful. In a world of pride and self-sufficiency, we must walk humbly with God. Only when we live accordingly to God's ways will we begin to will it begin to affect our home, our society, and our world. Mm, thank you. Uh huh. Okay, now we're going to move out of Micah. And the, the opening paragraph in this, before the scripture starts says, Assyria, the great empire that had destroyed the northern kingdom and scattered their people less than a generation earlier, returned to the region and threatened to do the same to Judah. God used the prophet Isaiah to speak to the nation of Judah, and the people responded with trust in God despite the overwhelming threat of being outmatched on the battlefield. God miraculously delivered the nation of Judah, once again giving testimony to his power over any nation on earth. So that brings us to 2 Kings chapter 18, verses 13 through 18. Assyria invades Judah. Uh, any notes for there? Anything you want to talk about? Yes. Um, sending the commander-in-chief, the field commander, and the chief staff was like sending the vice president, secretary of state, and the head general of the army to speak to the enemy prior to a battle. All of these men were sent in an effort to impress and discourage the Israelites. Um, the note I had, to keep Assyria from attacking Judah... The southern kingdom paid tribute annually, but when Sennacherib, I looked up how to say his name, became king, Hezekiah stopped paying this money, hoping Assyria would ignore him. When Sennacherib and his army retaliated, Hezekiah realized his mistake and paid the tribute money. But Sennacherib attacked anyway. Although Sennacherib attacked Judah, he was not as war-hungry as the previous Assyrian kings preferring to spend most of his time building and beautifying his capital city, Nineveh. With less frequent invasions, Hezekiah was able to institute many reforms and strengthen the nation. Oh, lovely. Anything else? No. Okay, so we move to the parallel verse, which is Second Chronicles chapter 32, verses 1 through 8. And um, there's no mention of tribute money, just the invasion. Mm -hmm. Hezekiah encouraged the Judeans by saying in, in verses 7 and 8, Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria or his mighty army. For there is a power far greater on our side. He may have a great army, but they are merely men. We have the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles for us. Hezekiah's words greatly encouraged the people. Yeah. Any notes for there from the parallel verse? I have, when Hezekiah was confronted with the frightening prospect of an Assyrian invasion, invasion, he made two important decisions. He did everything he could to deal with the situation, and he trusted God for the outcome. That is exactly what we must do when faced with difficult or frightening situations. Take all the steps you possibly can to solve the problem or improve the situation, but also commit the situation to God in prayer, trusting Him for the solution. 
you could use that with anything in your life. That's right. Yeah. And then we have one other parallel, Isaiah chapter 36, verses 1 through 3. Uh, again, there's no mention of the tribute money, and this is kind of a shortened ver version of yeah. um, Second Chronicles. Anything for there? I don't. Okay. Second Kings chapter 18, verses 19 through 37, Sennacherib threatens Jerusalem. Um, here the Assyrian king got a little chippy with King Hezekiah, asking why he is so confident facing the mighty Assyria. Yeah. Anything for there? I don't. Neither did I. Yeah. Um, the parallel from Isaiah chapter 36, verses 4 through 22, is essentially the same. Did you have anything for there? It says that it describes Isaiah's prophecy of judgment upon Egypt, while Isaiah 30 and 31 pronounces woe on those from Judah who would ally themselves with Egypt in the face of Assyria's impending attack. Sennacherib of Assyria was taunting Judah for trusting in Egypt. Even the Assyrians knew that Egypt could not help Judah. Partial note here. In the, in the same way Satan tries to confuse or deceive us, people don't necessarily need to be sinful to be ineffective for God. They need only be confused about what God wants. To avoid Satan's deceit, study God's word carefully and regularly. When you know what God says, you will not fall for Satan's lies. That's for sure. That's really important to remember. Yeah. 100%. Even that hesitancy. You yeah. Know, Satan will just kind of yeah, try to work there. his way in there. That's right. 2 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 through 19, Hezekiah seeks the Lord's help. Uh, king Hezekiah was upset by the news out of Assyria, but God assured the king through Isaiah to not worry. Mm -hmm. Any notes for there? Yeah, Sennacherib. Is that how you say it? The way I saw it was Sennacherib. Sennacherib, whose armies had captured all the fortified cities of Judah, sent a message to Hezekiah to surrender. Really realizing the situation was hopeless, Hezekiah went to the temple and prayed. God answered Hezekiah's prayers and delivered Judah by sending an army to attack the Assyrian camp, forcing Sennacherib to leave at once. Prayer should be our first response to any crisis. Don't wait until things are hopeless. Prayer daily for his guidance. Our problems are God's opportunities. Thank you. Uh -huh. uh, we have two parallel verses. The first being Second Chronicles chapter thirty-two, verses nine through nineteen. Uh, essentially the same, but there was no prayer from Hezekiah. Did you notice anything? No. And oh, and any notes? I'm sorry. No. And then Isaiah chapter thirty-seven, verses one through twenty, was the other parallel. It's very similar to Second Kings. Uh, and it, it does include uh, Hezekiah's prayer to God. Any notes for there? I just have for 37.3, it said, No matter how bad your circumstances may seem, don't despair. Turn to God. And then I had for 37.16, that's one we're on, right? Yeah, go ahead. Cherubim are mighty angels. The phrase enthroned between the mighty cherubim refers to the atonement cover on the Ark of the Covenant, which symbolized God's holiness, power, and sovereignty. One of the notes I had, although the answer to Hezekiah's prayer was already in motion because Tirhaka, mm -hmm. the Ethiopian king, was poised to attack, Hezekiah did not know it. He persisted in prayer and faith even though he could not see the answer coming. When we pray, we must have faith that God has already prepared the best answer. Our task is to ask in faith and wait in humility. Second mm. Kings chapter 19 verses 20 through 37, Isaiah predicts Judah's deliverance. Isaiah conveyed God's word, letting Hezekiah know he heard his prayer. The Lord spoke against Sennacherib, gave proof that what he said was true, and let him know his feelings toward the king of Assyria. Mm -hmm. And would you please read verses 35 and 36? That night the angel of the Lord went out to the Assyrian camp and killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. When the surviving Assyrians woke up the next morning, they found corpses everywhere. Then King Sennacherib, I say it different every time, 
Sennacherib of Assyria broke camp and returned to his own land. He went home to his capital of Nineveh and stayed there. One day, no, that's it. Um, the note I had there, as long as a tiny spark remains, a fire can be rekindled and fanned into a roaring blaze. Similarly, if just a small remnant of true believers retains the spark of faith, God can rebuild it into a strong nation. And if only a glimmer of faith remains in a heart, God can use it to restore blazing faith in that believer. If you feel that only a spark of faith remains in you, ask God to use it to rekindle a blazing fire of commitment to him. Anything else? Yeah, I had God would defend Jerusalem for the sake of his own honor and for David's sake in remembrance of his promise to David. The Assyrians had insulted God. They would not be his instrument to punish Jerusalem. What Jerusalem could not possibly do, God would do it would do for it god is prepared to do the impossible if we trust in him enough to ask uh there are two parallels the first being second chronicles chapter 32 verses 20 through 23 um this is very truncated compared to second kings um anything there you want to talk about no i don't and then the other parallel was Isaiah chapter 37, verses 21 through 38. This was more similar to the original reading in 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 20, verses 1 through 11, Hezekiah's sickness and recovery. This was a really interesting yes. chapter. Verses 1 through 7 says, About that time Hezekiah became deathly ill, and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos went to visit him. He gave the king this message. This is what the Lord says. Set your affairs in order, for you are going to die. You will not recover from this illness. When Hezekiah heard this, he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, O Lord, how I have always been faithful to you and have served you single-mindedly, always doing what pleases you. Then he broke down and wept bitterly. But before Isaiah had left the middle courtyard, this message came to him from the Lord. Go back to Hezekiah, the leader of my people. Tell him this is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor David, says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you, and three days from now you will get out of bed and go to the temple of the Lord. I will add fifteen years to your life, and I will rescue you and this city from the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my own honor and for the sake of my servant David. Then Isaiah said, Make an ointment from figs. So Hezekiah's... Hezekiah's servant spread the ointment over the boil and Hezekiah recovered. Anything for there? I have over 100 year period of Judah's history. Hezekiah was the only faithful king. But what a difference he made. Because of Hezekiah's faith and prayer, God healed him and saved his city from the Assyrians. You can make a difference too, even if your faith puts you in the minority. Faith and prayer if they are sincere and direct toward one, the one true God can charge, change any situation. Thank you. Mm-hmm. We have two parallels. The first parallel, Second Chronicles chapter 32, verses 24 through 31. Here it added that Hezekiah responded proudly af- after he was healed. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any notes? I have Babylon was slowly and quietly rising to become a world power. At the same time, the Assyrian Empire was slowly declining due to internal strife and a succession of weak kings. When Assyria was finally crushed in 612 BC, Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar moved into its place of prominence. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Anything else for there? No. The note I had, a test can bring out a person's true character. God tested Hezekiah to see what he was really like and to show him his own shortcomings and the attitude of his heart. God did not totally abandon Hezekiah, nor did he tempt him to sin or trick him. The test was meant to strengthen Hezekiah, develop his character, and prepare him for the tasks ahead. In times of success, most of us can live good lives, but pressure, trouble, or pain will quickly remove our thin veneer of goodness unless our strength comes from God. What are you like under pressure when everything is going wrong? Do you give in or turn to God? Those who are consistently in touch with God don't have to worry about what pressure may reveal about them. 
And then the second parallel, Isaiah chapter 38, verses 1 through 8, this is more in line with um, the original reading of 2 Kings, but it's a little truncated. Mm-hmm. Anything for there? I don't. Okay. Now we have Isaiah chapter 38, verses 9 through 22. When King Hezekiah was well again, he wrote this poem. I said, in the prime of my life, must I now enter the place of the dead? Am I to be robbed of the rest of my of many years? I said, never again will I see the Lord God while still in the land of the living. Never again will I see my friends or be with those who live in this world. My life has been blown away like a shepherd's tent in a storm. It has been short cut. As when weaver cuts cloth from a loom, suddenly my life was over. I waited patiently all night, but I was torn apart as though by lions. Suddenly my life was over. Delirious, I chattered like a swallow or a crane. And then I moaned like a mourning dove. My eyes grew tired of looking to heaven for help. I am in trouble, Lord, help me. But what could I say? For he himself sent the sickness. Now I will walk humbly throughout my years because of this anguish I have felt. Lord, your discipline is good, for it leads to life and health. You restore my health and allow me to live. Yes, the anguish was good for me, for you have rescued me from the death from death and forgiven all my sins. For the dead cannot praise you, they cannot raise their voices in praise. Those who go down to the grave can no longer hope in your faithfulness. Only the living can praise you as I do today. Each generation tells of your faithfulness to the next. Think of it, the Lord is ready to heal me every day of my life in the temple of the Lord. Isaiah had said to Hezekiah's servants, Make an ointment from figs and spread it over the boil, and Hezekiah will recover. And Hezekiah asked, had asked, What sign will prove that I will go to the temple of the Lord? Did, were there any notes for there? I have Hezekiah spoke of the significance of passing the joy of the Lord from one generation to another. The heritage of our faith has come to us because of faithful men and women who have cared for God's message to us across the centuries. Do you share with your children or other young people the excitement and relationship of, with God? Thank you. Mm-hmm. Moving to Second Kings chapter 20 verses 12 through 19. I had one note. Hezekiah had been a good and faithful king. Oh, and this is titled Envoys from Babylon. Mm -hmm. But when Isaiah asked him what he had shown the messengers from Babylon, he replied, I showed them everything I own, all my royal treasures. Rather than giving credit to God for all his blessings, he tried to impress the foreigners. When God helps us, we must not use his blessings to impress others. A testimony of victory can quickly degenerate into vanity and self-congratulations verses 16 through 19 it says uh, then isaiah said to hezekiah listen to this message from the lord the time is coming when everything in your palace all the treasures stored up by your ancestors until now will be carried off to babylon nothing will be left says the lord some of your very own sons will be taken away into exile They will become eunuchs who will serve in the palace of Babylon's king. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, This message you have given me from the Lord is good. For the king was thinking, at least there will be peace and security during my lifetime. Anything for there? I have um, a couple. The first one was um, when Isaiah asked Hezekiah, Hezekiah had been a good and faithful king, but when Isaiah asked him what he had shown the messenger from Babylon, Babylon, he replied, I showed them everything I own, all my royal treasures. Rather than giving credit to God for all his blessings, he tried to impress the foreigners. When God helps us, we must not see use his blessings to impress others. A testimony of victory can quickly degenerate into vanity and self-congratulations. 
Hezekiah was saying that it was good that these terrible events foretold by Isaiah when it happened during his lifetime. Hezekiah's statement seemed selfish, short-sighted, and proud. He knew that his nation would be punished for its sins, so he may have been acknowledging and may thanking God for choosing not to destroy Judah during this lifetime, his lifetime. It just seemed a little out of character for Hezekiah mm-hmm. to react that way. I know. All of a sudden, he's is he getting naughty? Yeah, because he was he was so in tune with God and obedient to God, and, yeah. and but God gave him an, you know another chance, gave him fifteen more years, and then boom, that was his behavior. It's Shh. it's just interesting the way that was. Yeah, it was. It really was. Um, the one parallel is Isaiah chapter 39, verses 1 through 8, which was essentially the same. Yeah. Okay. And then Second Kings chapter 20, verses 20 through 21. There's nothing really to talk about here. Uh, it's a summary of Hezekiah's reign. Um, same with the parallel Second Chronicles chapter 32, verses 32 and 33. Oh. That's all I had, Amy. It was wonderful. Anything you want to talk about? No, I think we did great. Amen. Amen. Lord spoke through us. For sure. It was a very good study. Yeah. Yes. Um, let's give out some information. Mm-hmm. The email is basicbiblestudy19 at gmail.com. Facebook and Instagram is at my basic Bible study. And on the Facebook page, you can find a lot of information, but also what we are currently reading and then the upcoming reading. Okay. And the website is mybasicbiblestudy.com. There you can find many of the um, podcast links. Next time, Amy? Yes. Isaiah chapters 41 through 51. Wow. Yes. Okay, Isaiah. <laughs> All right. Sounds great. Friend? Yes. It was wonderful. Yes, it was. And maybe next time we'll be by Halloween, maybe. Maybe. All right. Well, God bless. Giving out some candy. I'm not yeah. buying candy until good the day before. Good. Because good. every time, friend. They chow it down. Uh, I... It's not even they. It's me, too. It's you, too. I'm so guilty. I know. It's hard. It is. It's so hard. Do you know what I got a bag of a couple weeks ago? And they were delicious. Werther's. Soft Werther's. No, they were hard Werther's. With, like, uh, apple inside. Like, sour apple inside. Tell me. It's delicious. You know you're not going to get them again. I can't. Uh Uh-uh. I cannot. No, you'll eat them. Yeah, I know. I don't think we're going to be buying a lot of Halloween candy this yeah. year. I just don't think we're going to get a lot of trick-or-treaters. Yeah, me either. I'm shutting my door. You're not even going to do it? Okay. No. Nope. That's all right. Yeah, it's fine. It is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. everyone have a blessed week. Yes, you have a blessed week. Thank you. Thank you.